Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the Friday edition. Yes, we made it through another week, and at least where I am today, and uh, that's in Washington, D.C., of course. You know, that's where Justin News is based. It's in the 60s and 70s for the third straight day. I have the worst case of spring fever. I'm like so sorry, but I'm, 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 I want to be outside, but I got to do this podcast. It's so much more important. Hey, I want to, uh, before we uh, get to our big interview today, I think you're going to like this interview a lot. She's a brand new member of Congress, the youngest Republican woman elected to uh, the Congress in 2020. Uh, Kat Kamak of Florida is joining us. She is the wife of a first responder, a, an EMT firefighter who actually goes out on SWAT team calls. That is some harrowing work. That's not your everyday EMT work, which by the way is pretty harrowing in of itself. All day, these first responders put themselves in harm's way. And Kat Kamak uh, made a lot of news. Normally freshmen lie low. They don't make a lot of noise. They don't get a lot of attention in their first term in Congress. But Kat Kamek went to the floor of the House uh, last week as they were debating the George Floyd bill, the police uh, reform bill that Democrats have. Republicans call it a defunding bill. A lot of dispute over that. And she got gaveled down. She, uh, The speaker was trying to stop her from talking because she took her husband's SWAT vest, the bulletproof vest that, that he has to wear when he goes on calls with the SWAT team, sat it beside her on the table as she gave a speech challenging Democrats not to pass this law and before they pass the law to go jump in a car with a police squad team and see what it's like on the front line, see what officers are really like before they made these changes in, in the legislation. Pretty powerful speech, got a lot of attention. Uh, and we want to speak to Congresswoman Kamek about that. What's happened since? What's going on? I want to know. There's 435 members of Congress that she made this offer to. Go with me. I'll take you out in your local police district and get you a ride along so you can see what police are dealing with before you vote on the bill. I'm dying to find out. Did anyone take her up on it? I don't know, but I'd sure like to know. So we're going to talk to Kat Kamek. We think that is a a major uh, story that got didn't get the attention uh, that it's there. And we're going to we're going to find out what did any members, Republican or Democrat, take her up? Will any members go on ride alongs with police? Really an important um, uh, part of the uh, political dynamic that's probably not getting discussed in the rest of the news media. That's why John Solomon reports and just the news is here to tell you 
about the stories that aren't getting covered that probably deserve more coverage. We're here to give you facts, not here to indoctrinate you, but I think you'll enjoy this uh, perspective. Obviously, uh, Congresswoman Kemet comes from the Republican conservative perspective. She has her own personal view on this bill, but I think it's an important one to hear, and I think you'll enjoy it. Now, before we uh, get there, I want to highlight a couple of important stories um, that are on Just the News today. The media was relentless back in 17, 18, and 19 when uh, border children, those who entered the country illegally with their parents, were were being separated from their families and put in, you know, really, there's no way to say it. They were put in cages. They're treated humanely, however. it's uh, The CPB does this, and uh, oftentimes you'll see, I know of CPB border agents and, and guards who would go out and spend their own money to get something for a child who was scared, a toy, some favorite food, something there. So uh, these CPP guards uh, are pretty remarkable people. They care about even the people they're, they're arresting and taking care of, particularly the children. They, oftentimes they risk their life by going out and uh, rescuing a family that gets stuck in a river or gets turned over in a car trying to sneak into the country. Uh, there's a much different dynamic. But it's really important that the Democrats who, who tried to demagogue this issue when uh, President Trump was in office realize now that the exact same practices and policies are being used by the Biden administration. Why? It's the only way to do it. It isn't like there's a better way. And so uh, there's a great story on on the site today by my colleague, Daniel Payne. We talk about him a lot. Great reporter. Biden border boomerang. Thousands of illegal immigrants' children now penned up in facilities akin to jails. You know why? Because it's the same language the Democrats were using against uh, Republicans. Important story. Take a look at that. I think that's important. Another thing we keep hearing um, about tax increases. Uh, Democrats may have to raise taxes for the infrastructure bill. That's the place where most people feel like there is a tax increase coming. Well, guess what? In the COVID-19 bill that was just passed, there is $57 billion in hidden tax increases that were enacted. Now, most of those affect companies and businesses and wealthy individuals. Uh, so they're not that exactly the most sympathetic victims of a tax increase. But the fact of the matter is the media weren't covering that. Just the news is we tallied it up. We got an important Senate document that lays out the uh, meeting uh, and how it works, how these tax provisions work, how they are increases, who is Im- implicated in them. Great stuff. Check it out. Really good story by my uh, good colleague, Nick Ballacy, who does great work uh, all the time. And, uh, you know, that's what we, we try to do here. We try to give you stories that others are missing that are important, not just mis- and irrelevant, but they're important. Also, if you had a chance to uh, re-watch the um, President Biden's speech last night, his effort to put a date on the calendar where Americans can feel like we're back to normalcy from COVID. He seems to put it around the 4th of July. A lot of people were panning it both on the left and the right, even New York Times reporters, other people, uh, because it seemed as though he was suggesting we couldn't get together until the 4th of July. Obviously, that boat has left the boat dock because we, Texas was wide open, Georgia's wide open to a great degree, Mississippi's wide open, Florida's been operating all along and allowing gatherings. Even New York City has indoor dining going on. I think a lot of people took the president's speech, whether it was well-intentioned or not, to suggest that he was trying to be more of a nanny a nanny state then is even 
already going on. It felt like he was disconnected to the dynamics already occurring in the state. Um, we try to sort that out for you with a good story that Alex Nitzberg took a look at. Uh, check that out. Now, meanwhile, people are asking, what's going on in the Cuomo investigation? The vast majority of the congressional delegation for New York is calling for him to resign today, including all of the prominent Democrats. The impeachment proceedings have begun in the assembly that was authorized last night. We had that as a news alert on Just the News. Um, the situation for Andrew Cuomo is dire. Now, interestingly, most of it is being driven by Democrats on the Me Too issues, which are very real issues. Uh, you take a look at the last woman who basically describes a sexual assault. That's been referred to police for investigation. Serious stuff. But it's sort of masking this other issue why Andrew Cuomo is on the ropes and probably should be on the ropes. And that is the effort by his administration, according to his own people. This isn't being made up by Republicans or pundits. It's his own former aide that they tried to hide from the American public and more importantly, the United States Justice Department under the Trump administration, the true number of nursing home deaths. Uh, that could lead to obstruction investigations. Let's keep an eye on that. But day by day, uh, the situation for Andrew Cuomo becomes more dire. He's adamant he's not resigning. But when the vast majority of your party nationally and in your state uh, has abandoned you. It becomes very difficult to defend yourself and to keep on uh, in office. We'll have to watch this dynamic again. On all of these things, I've said this, whether it was Donald Trump or Andrew Cuomo, they deserve the benefit of the doubt until the facts are done, until the investigation is done. We shouldn't assume guilt or innocence uh, until we get to the facts. The facts aren't, as they're coming out, become more difficult for him. But we need his side of the story. We need the other facts that are going on before we can make a full judgment. But I think it's pretty clear Andrew Cuomo is uh, in trouble. And we at Just the News are going to focus on the facts. We want to know more about the circumstances around the data, uh, the nursing home data. We want to know more about these women and what they're saying and what their relationship was to him, whether they reported it at the time, all the things that we tried to ask at the same time at the Kavanaugh hearings, or other places where these allegations uh, are come up. They're serious. They ought to be taken seriously and they ought to be run to ground with the facts and then people make an informed decision. That seems to be underway in New York and, and uh, the once model, Andrew Cuomo, who was held up as the antithesis of Donald Trump. Well, guess what? He's, uh, he's on the ropes himself now. All right, we're gonna go to that quick commercial break as we always do. When we come back, Kat Kamek, the... Uh, congresswoman, freshman congresswoman from Florida, the Gainesville area, is going to join us. Uh, you're going to love her story about what she did on the floor, her commitment to trying to get members of Congress better educated about what it's like on the front lines of being a first responder, a firefighter, an EMT, and of course, a police officer. Coming up right after the commercial break. Here we go. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake-me-up-when-the-sun-sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, one of the newest members of Congress and someone who's made a huge uh, impact already in her short time on the, on the floor of Congress, Congresswoman Kat Kamek from the great state of Florida. Uh, Congresswoman, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate it. It, uh, it is always fun to talk. I've been in the city for 30 years, and I always love when newcomers come to Washington because it's not only a culture shock, uh, but uh, there's always these moments where newcomers have an ability to shock the system. And I think you did that recently with a floor speech. Uh, but before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about you and introduce our audience uh, to you because you're you were the youngest Republican woman elected to Congress in, in 2020. And I wonder if you could tell folks yeah. just a little bit about you and your background. Sure. No, um, well, I appreciate the opportunity. And yes, um, you're 100% right. Folks do come to Washington and it is a bit of a, a culture shock. And um, I, I'm really lucky because I've got a great team and, and folks around me that are helping me navigate the halls. But yeah, you know, politics was never really in my plan. Um, I grew up daughter of a single mom out on a small cattle ranch out west, and um, I had wanted to take over our family business, which was uh, commercial sandblasting and monuments. And um, so I had that kind of in my plan to take over the family business after college, get wow. involved in the energy industry, and yeah, totally way off from, you know, the, the political world and uh it was uh, it was really a moment um, about ten years ago that hit me that completely changed everything for myself and my family. And um, you know, there's a there's this notion that uh, you know man plans and God laughs kind of thing. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's some truth to that. Absolutely, there is, there is, there is. And so it was uh april 2011 that my family got the the notice that we were losing our cattle ranch and i was wow. right about to graduate college yeah it was devastating and i started digging into it and um we had about 23 days to evict and ended up finding ourselves homeless for several months and no kidding that's when your whole world yeah yeah just you get completely turned around and, and in one minute, you know, the, the home that you grew up in. And in this case, you know, it was a small cattle ranch out in Colorado and um, you know, your whole childhood that you, you spent, you know, running around in pastures and checking fences and everything. It's, it's gone. You know um, they actually came and bulldozed our place. It was pretty traumatic. And uh, I started learning more about what all had happened. And it turns out that there was this, piece of legislation back after the crash in 08 that uh, the Obama administration had turned into their signature housing program. And what they did in this legislation, it was about an 1,800-page bill, they created a program called HAMP. And this program essentially told the banks that had mortgage portfolios that, hey, in an effort to help keep people in their homes, we're going to give you tax credits to encourage people to refinance their loans. And for the ones that you can't save, Wells Fargo, Chase, City, Bank of America, if you can't save them, we'll give you a tax credit. Well, you would think that somebody along the line would have said, you know, that sounds like a really bad idea because it sounds like you're incentivizing them to lose loans, right? And push people out. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So the banks, 
like City Chase, like America, America, et cetera, they, they began doing this, this process by which anyone who was remodifying their loan, which is very common, uh, you know, many homeowners do it, uh, to get a lower interest rate or a lower payment, um, they would drag them along through a six to eight months re- refi process. And then at the end, magically, the loan just couldn't be saved. You wouldn't qualify. Something would happen. And um, at the time, you know, when you're going through this experience, you feel very alone, very isolated. Like, yeah, oh, my gosh, for sure. I can't, we've done everything right. You know, we've done everything right. We've always made our mortgage on time. We've always done these things right. What do you mean? And they just told us, you know, you no longer own this property. DirecTV of all of all companies ended up purchasing our property. And um, so we found ourselves homeless. And it was that time when we're, uh, you know, living in an extended stay motel in a bad part of Denver that I'm looking around and I'm, I'm getting more and more angry at government, right? Just how could this happen? Why is no one speaking out? You know, I'm starting to read articles of other families across the country losing their home that had done everything right. And um, so I get a call at this point. And, and of course, the economy was garbage at the time. Sure. And I wasn't able to find a job. And, you know, so I'm taking all these weird gigs. You know, I was a, an a auctioneer assistant for charities, you know, and just taking all these weird gigs to help pay some bills and um a friend of mine out in California says, my uncle is running for Congress in Florida and he's fired up about government. And I think you, you could help him out on his campaign. He's looking for someone to help his campaign. And so I had a conversation with his uncle, Ted Yoho, and I ended up moving across the country, uh, drove across in my little uh, Nissan Maxima packed to the brim with nothing but clothes and fishing gear. Cause uh, you know, fishing is a very important a part of my, my, my family. I was actually the president of the bass fishing club in college, total, total nerd thing. But <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, Hey, I'm going to Florida. At least I'll be able to get some good fishing in. And, um, so I, I show up in Florida and being a Coloradan, you know, the only thing you ever hear is, you know, Florida is nothing but beaches and palm trees. So I'm expecting, ah, oh, hey, I'm going to be a Floridian. I'm going to have, get some beach time, get some fishing in. Well, they neglected to tell me that the middle part of the state is actually a swamp. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they left I that little detail and, out, huh? Darn it. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that was a key detail. Um, I show up at 2 o'clock in the morning, at, you know, on his doorstep, and I said, hey, I'm here to, you know, help you with your campaign. And I'm sure he thought, you know, my gosh, what did I get myself into? And as the sun came up, I start looking around. I'm like, this does not look like the beach. This like, where's the water? Where, <laughs> you know? So funny. And um, it, it, so it, that started my my journey that I've been on for the past decade now. Of you know, we I ran his campaigns and um, we we took down a 24 year incumbent, and no one thought we would win. And we really had a mission because we had all reached a point of had enough. You know, we were sick and tired of the overreach of the constant assault on, you know, everyday working class people like myself. And so after we won that race, uh, Congressman Yoho asked me to join the official office. And so for the last eight years, I had been his deputy chief of staff. And during that time, I had started a couple of businesses and um, met my husband, Matt, who is a Gainesville native and. He has, for the last 14 years, been a firefighter and a SWAT medic for the um, city of Gainesville for both the uh, police department as well as the sheriff's office. 
So describe for people, because I think a lot of people don't know what a SWAT medic is. I, I grew up in a family of cops. In fact, I'm the only non-cop in my family among the men. Um, but uh, tell, <laughs> tell folks, uh, try being a journalist in a cop's family. That's a lonely place to be. So, oh, yeah. gosh. Oh, bless your but, heart. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what they've said. Absolutely, yes. But uh, I know I'm very familiar with this. So tell folks what a SWAT medic does, because it's, it's pretty harrowing work. Yes, yes. You know, so um, the way that a lot of, especially mid-size and rural areas operate, um, because the bigger cities, they can have standalone SWAT teams. Right. But when you have, uh, you know, your mid-size cities like Gainesville, um, you you really have to, you're doing everything. You're wearing many hats. So in the fire department, um, that's where all the medics are. And so they have a group of about six uh, folks that are trained, certified, licensed paramedics, and they put them through the training that the SWAT team does. So, I mean, they're doing the ropes and the optical courses and the, the tactical training and everything alongside them. And, and they serve as medics for the SWAT call-outs. So the very dangerous call-outs where you have the gang shootings or you have barricaded subjects or, you know, massive manhunts and, and things are, are going down. And, and really their primary role is to be there because the SWAT teams are the ones that are going in front lines, the most oh, dangerous yeah. situations you can imagine. And if something goes, yeah, exactly. If something goes down, you have a medic on scene right there that is in tactical gear. that's going to not only save that, that fellow SWAT team member's life, they're going in, they're dragging them out. They're getting them out. They're putting themselves in, in harm's way. And, so we have a very small um, but elite team in my my region. My husband is, I believe, one of six, um, and it, it's incredible what they do. And it's all hours of the night. So a perfect example that I tell people is, you know, he's been getting, he's gotten calls before at two o'clock in the morning. He's asleep. He's off shift, but you know, he's got his vest in his truck yep. and and all duty calls. You and, go in a moment's notice. Exactly. Exactly. And for a spouse you you're right there alongside and in so many ways it's it's pretty harrowing for for us the families because they go off in, into these very high pressure situations and it could be anything from a manhunt like i said to a, a kidnapping a barricaded subject anything and we're at home just kind of wondering you yeah. know my husband just got called out at two in the morning when is he coming back is he coming back what's going on you you know you want to know everything that's going on and it's, it's tough. It's really scary. And so um, that's been, that's been part of our life for, for the last several years. And um, you know, he's, he's on the career track of, you know, 20, 25 years in the department. Oh, and God bless him. Um, yeah. It, it, it's definitely made me appreciate our law enforcement and our first responder community so much so that we actually back in 2017, we started a nonprofit organization called the Grit Foundation because I was sick and tired of seeing all these departments that were constantly looking for uh, grants to basically put the, the very basic equipment on their back. And, and it's so hard to keep up with the changing and challenging environment that exists today. And so, you know, I had departments that were calling me in my role as a deputy chief of staff for a member of Congress saying, wow. hey, can you find us funding? We need to put ballistic vests on the fire truck. Isn't now. that crazy? We're, 
it, it, it's just, it's insane where we're at. And yeah. how far so we've we gone would, from nine eleven, where we watched all those great officers and firefighters run into the towers and give their lives, and we were all so shocked by the sacrifice, and we got behind them. But after twenty years, we've lost almost all of that, uh, all of that passion, all of that compassion for our amazing first responders. It's just amazing how much has changed. It's incredible. And we've got to turn it. We have to turn it around. And it shouldn't take another 9-11 to get us there. No, and and that's honestly, that's, that's honestly why I'm here today. I mean, it's you know, part of the reason why I ran for Congress. Because I'll, I'll be damned if we continue down this path of defund police. You know, uh, all first responders are bad. This, this whole notion that there's a break between the first responder law enforcement community and the actual community that they serve. I, I, I challenge that notion every time I talk to somebody who says otherwise, because you you sure do. It's incredible. Yeah. And there's a moment a few days ago where you brought your family to the, uh, and, and the, and the, the sacrifices and concerns that your immediate family has to the floor of the house. And uh, I, I was sitting when one of my dad, my dad's not retired. He did 46 years in law enforcement, uh, retired as a mm. police chief. My wow. brother did 28 years. And I got a call from one of their friends. They're like, John, you got to turn on TV, turn on C-SPAN. You got to see what's going on. And I caught the back end of this, but um, pretty, pretty amazing. But there you are sitting on the floor with something from your husband. Tell, tell our listeners what you did on the house floor a few days ago. Well, as, as, as many of your listeners know, last week, um, Speaker Pelosi and, and the Democrats decided they were going to put forward a defund police right. uh, legislation. H.R. 1280, and, right? Um, yeah. H.R. 1280. It's actually, I'm, I'm sitting right here, and uh, I've got the bill right in front of me on my desk, and it's marked up in red like you can't believe the, the damn thing is bleeding from all the notes and things <laughs> that I've scribbled. But uh, um, it, essentially what it does is it defunds police, strips qualified immunity, redirects funding from police departments for critical uh, grant programs, gives that money to groups like the NAACP and ACLU. And it ties accreditation to the fact that these departments now have to have citizen advisory boards signing off on their accreditation that are all funded by the ACLU and the NAACP. Mm. That's just some of the garbage that's in this bill. It's, It's truly harrowing. I actually had a call with all of my sheriffs and police chiefs and ask them for their take on it. And they said, we can't survive this bill. Wow. Whether it's the recruitment issues. We can't issues, survive the, this bill. That's powerful language. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they just, they can't. I mean, we're already struggling with recruitment and retention. And you put this out there where now police officers are going to have to carry their own personal private insurance plans in case they someone wants to sue them for a decision that they made in the field. And... That, that's very troubling to me that we're we're talking about stripping qualified immunity because and I and I alluded to this in, in in my speech last week I said listen there's nothing more that a good cop hates than a bad cop yeah and it's that true. is a fact and it's incumbent upon us to to deal with that and really promote the best of the best and constantly refine and train and do better and better and better than the day before but the answer is not to defund the police. And so I was pretty heated going into this. I knew um, that I was going to uh, turn some heads with this. And I was, I got exactly what I thought I was going to get, which was a lot of daggers, a lot of head shaking, a lot of um, fists wagging at me uh, from the other side. But 
I took my husband's SWAT vest to the house floor. And when the, the speaker addressed me, I dropped it right on the table in front of me and just launched into uh, what I describe as, you know, the most personal speech I've ever delivered on the house floor. And it was to illustrate the fact that what they were doing in that moment was taking that same vest off my husband's back. And they don't see it that way. And that to me is a problem. And so I I talked to them about the fact that, listen, you're not getting up at 2 a.m. in the morning to respond to a murder. You're not missing your children's birthday parties to go respond to gang shootings. What, What have you done to put yourself in the shoes of the men and women who wear this uniform? And as far as I can tell, nothing. And that is why I was so adamant about saying what I said on the House floor. And they gaveled me down. Um, In the video, you can hear the speaker banging the gavel uh, pretty violently uh, to get me to stop talking. But um, before I could finish, you know, they got me they got me to to sit down. They cut me off. And um, since then, I have I've said, well, if they're not going to let me finish my speech, I'll do it in other ways. So uh, this week I actually had on my team hand deliver letters to every single one of my colleagues that voted in support of this bill. And what I've done is I've challenged every single person who voted to defund the police to a ride along. And I have made the commitment that I will fly to their district wow. and I will do the ride along with them. How yeah. I think it's, it's important. Has anyone taken you up on it yet? They have not yet. They wow. have not yet. What a statement, um, right? Here are yeah. our 435 members of Congress voting on a bill that impacts the police uh, and the communities that they protect. And they get an invite, hey, go on the front lines and see what it's like. And it's been, what, yeah. about a week now, right? A little over a week. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's been about uh, close to a week, and yeah. no one's taken me up on it yet. That doesn't mean we're going to give up. And, right. and I've told them, uh, I'll make sure my team gets you a copy of the letter, but I said, I will, it, it, I will fly to your district. I will arrange the ride-along with your local sheriff's office, your police chief. I'll make it happen. If you want to come to my district and do a ride-along with my, my folks, I'll make that happen. And if that doesn't work for you, I'll take you to your local police academy and I'll put you in a SIM unit. I want you, if you have 30 minutes, go in the SIM unit. Tell me what you would do in those situations where you have less than a second to decide your life or theirs. Are you going to be able to walk out of a SIM unit after running those scenarios and still say, I think we need to defund the police? No, you're going to say, we need to get them more money. We need to get more resources. We need to actually support them so that we are having this conversation down the road a year from now saying our communities are stronger. Crime has gone down. Retention is better. Recruitment is up. We need to be doing that. And and I guarantee you that not a single soul that has voted to defund the police has done any of this. And that's that's what I'm looking to change. So we're going to continue to follow up. You're seeing in communities that uh, embrace this um, defund, disarm, dishonor police movement last summer, the consequences of uh, taking resources away. Portland, uh, now its mayor has turned entirely around on the issue of police, right? And in New York City, you, in your letter to colleagues that you wrote after your floor speech, you, you, you laid out the devastating statistics in, in New York, uh, 45% growth um uh, in uh, murders and uh, nearly 100% rise in shootings as police have had yeah. their hands tied behind their back. Um, the evidence is statistically there when you do this, what happens. And 
Uh, remember Minnesota, right? I guess they defunded or tried to defund. Now they're putting more money back into the police uh, yeah. because they've learned yeah. you can't live without them. It's remarkable. What's next for you? What do you do? You're, you know, the Republicans are in the minority. What can mm-hmm. Republicans do in Congress? What laws and legislation may be out there that people should get educated on, get supporting to uh, to address this issue? There's a couple of great bills out there that are Republican alternatives. Um, uh, Sauber uh, has a great bill. Clay Higgins, he's a former police chief, one of my colleagues. Um, they've got legislation that um, they've been working on that is that's great as far as an alternative to all this defund police um, work that is being put in on the, the, the majority side right now. Right. And we know that as, as we stand in the minority, it's unlikely that anything will be able to pass. So the most impactful thing that we can be doing right now is things like challenging our colleagues to participate and ride along. But more than that, it's educating members about this issue of qualified immunity, about the 1033 program, about the the training and the tactics that are employed in the field. Because I've talked to so many members and they said, well, chokeholds should be banned. I said, well, in Florida, they are. And they have been for over a decade. And the response I get is, well, I didn't know that. Isn't that amazing? Well, yeah. Ignorance. It's amazing. It is. And and I think if you have not done your due diligence, and, and I come from, I, I know I'm the youngest Republican woman in Congress, and so I I probably, you know, am not, you know, the most savvy uh, currently here on the Hill, but I, I come with some pretty basic ideas. I think in order to vote on a bill, you should read it before you do that. And if you don't have time to read the bill, you shouldn't vote on it. Yeah. And I have seen firsthand losing our family's home, how dangerous it is to vote on things that you don't read. It's, it's pretty simple to me and you don't know what you don't know. So why are these folks who say, well, I didn't know about the fact that chokeholds were banned in the state of Florida. I didn't know that this is what they go through. I didn't know that, you know, this is the kind of equipment that you get through the 1033 program. They keep telling me that they didn't know. And I just, I find it unconscionable that we're at a point now where members of Congress, the most powerful body in almost the world, I'm going to venture to say, is it has leadership that is refusing to educate members and they're making decisions out of ignorance. It's killing me. And I know it's killing our departments. And, and I go back to what my sheriffs and my police chief said, we can't survive this bill. So it, it's definitely a, a marketing problem that we have that we need to really educate members, educate communities. But we also need to, um, for, for us up here on the Hill, we're working very diligently to protect the filibuster because that really is the only thing that is keeping legislation like 1280 from getting to the Senate side and being passed because they won't have the votes as it currently stands with a, with a 60 a country, yeah, vote. Right, yeah. Yeah. So we we have got to protect the filibuster. It's it's not just 1280. It's you know HR one. It's all of the anti-gun bills that just passed the House this week. That again, I was in rare form on the House floor, um, <laughs> uh, you know, railing against sure. these things because this is just an assault on who we are as Americans. It's an assault on our communities, on our heritage, on our constitution, and we have we've got really big battles. And so 
the thing that I would encourage your listeners to do is call your member of Congress. That is the most important thing that you can do. Uh, call their DC office, call their district offices and let your voice be heard because that is how you stop this. I can tell you from experience, I've watched the Capitol switchboard light up when a really contentious issue comes in. And when members are coming in and out of their DC office and their whole team can't do anything but answer phones, they start to listen. I bet that does have an effect. (laughs) It is so impactful. And I tell people all the time, light up those switchboards because that is where the power is. People know. Members know where where they need to be directing their attention and, and efforts and time towards. And if they walk through their office and not a single member of their staff is actually working on their day-to-day stuff, they're all on the phone, and they ask what's going on, and they say, we're getting a flood of calls on this, they're going to listen. It's a pretty remarkable um, dynamic that it still works in, in this great democracy, this great constitutional republic. The people's voice can make a difference. Well, Congresswoman, you're doing so much, and I know you got to get back to work. I want to thank you for the time you spent. I want to thank you for the sacrifice your family and your, your husband makes every day to keep um, the, the great folks near Gainesville, Florida, safe. And um, we hope to have you back on the show as we f- follow this legislation and other things that you'll be doing. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And just one last thing for all your listeners. Sure if thing. you have, if you have a, uh, a member that uh, is in your district, if your member of Congress voted to defund the police, call them up and, and ask them to take us up on our challenge. We would love for, for them to be getting calls from folks uh, asking for, for them to take us up on, on our offer to do a ride along with them. So uh, that a- would be my final ask. As someone who's done it, it's a life-changing experience to be on the front lines and see it isn't like Hollywood. It isn't like the movies on television. It's so different when you're really in, inside the squad car with, with people who are out there protecting. You get a very different view of, of the issue from, from those front lines. So great idea. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Congresswoman. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate very much your time. Thank you, John. Have a good one. You too. All right, folks, we're going to go to commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
All right, folks, uh, we're back from the commercial break and it's time to wrap up the week, wrap up this podcast. We're so grateful you joined. Hey, before you go, if you're looking for something fun to do, pull out your laptop. If you're sitting out on the deck this weekend and it's warm where you are, or if you're trapped in a snowstorm, I understand there's some places that might get snow this weekend and you're sitting by the fireplace or by the furnace, whatever you're trying to do to keep warm. I got an idea for you. My good friends at Ancestry.com are doing some really amazing things. I'm into this now. I'm checking out my own ancestry and my wife, and we're learning a lot. I'm getting excited about this. But listen, there are many paths to finding your family story, of course, but, and it's becoming more and more popular. It is for me now. I'd never thought of doing it until recently. But it's easy to get started with an ancestry DNA uh, account, right? It can re- reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. I'm dying to find out about my family in Ireland and Poland and Hungary, where we come come from. Uh, you just never know what you're going to find. Maybe it's a photo of your great-grandmother as a young girl, uh, and it could just refocus, reshape what you know about your family, where you come, how you feel about yourself. So the question is, how do you get started on this? Well, my good friends at Ancestry.com have a special offer just for just the news fans, John Solomon Reports fans. I'm so grateful that they're doing this. So here's what you do. If you want to start exploring your family story, head to Ancestry.com. Go to Ancestry.com slash just the news. Use our whole name. Ancestry.com slash just the news and get your Ancestry DNA kit. You can start a free trial. It doesn't cost you anything. It gets you started. You get learn. You learn how you're going to go on this journey through your family's history, what you're going to learn about yourself. Again, how do you do it? You go to Ancestry.com slash Just the News. Do it today. It's an interactive experience. You're going to love it. And uh, you're going to probably learn a lot about your family you didn't know. Heck, Ancestry.com has billions of records. There's no one else like them able to give you a breadth of understanding of where you came from, what your ancestors did, what's your heritage, what should you know about yourself. Very exciting stuff. Go there today. Ancestry.com slash Just the News. When you do so, you're supporting this podcast, our news brand, Just the News, and you're getting involved with a great, great partner, Ancestry.com. So go there today. It's a good way to spend the weekend, maybe with a glass of wine, maybe by the fireplace, maybe on the deck if it's warm, or out at the beach if you're down in Florida. But it's a fun thing to do. You won't be disappointed. I'm having a blast doing it with my family, my wife and I. All right, folks, that wraps it up. Have a great weekend. May God bless you. May God bless this great country as he always has, uh, the great United States of America. We'll be back with you Monday at John Solomon Reports and, of course, justthenews.com.